Hello and welcome to another episode of the When Wrestlers Act podcast. I'm John Cronshaw and I'm joined again by my good friend Colin Cox. How are you doing today? I'm quite well, thank you, John. Yourself? I'm not bad. I'm not bad. We've just watched what can I only describe as Series 2, Episode 8 of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the TV series. Um, an episode entitled... Honey, I'm Wrestling with a Problem and the Chief... This title will make sense later on in the episode. I think I went into this with a head full of scepticism and doubt, and I came away... Pleasantly surprised? Yeah, pleasantly pleasanted, if that's a word. The episode opened up, and we had what's essentially the Rick Moranis character from The Honey I Shrunk the Kids, the Mr. Slinsky, the inventor. I think that's his name. Yeah. He was fighting with a robot. Did he get what the robot was called? Wasn't it the, something like the Slugmeister 2000 or it's, something? It's a, the Slinsky Slugmeister. There we go. A very good trained robot. Was it a robot, I suppose it was? Oh, it? yeah. It was, some, it was an automaton, but yeah. it had artificial intelligence. Yeah, it could respond to punches and apparently it had been trained in boxing and wrestling. and Very sophisticated bit of technology. Yeah. yeah. This episode, I think, was from, what, like the late 90s, 98, something like that? So. 99. It was um, a very sophisticated bit of technology that a lot of wrestlers, boxers, mixed martial artists would welcome in their gym, I think. Yeah, so th- this thing, you know, you could use it as a sparring partner and, um, yeah, Z- Zielinski, the Rick Moranis character, was getting his ass handed to him by this robot. And for some reason, out of nowhere, it had come out with, who taught you that move, your grandma? Yes, and uh, calls him wimpy as well. Yeah, so, it's <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty good. He's, he's getting beaten up and then we cut to two girls sat on the sofa watching TV. Flicking through the channels. Only one of the girls is a boy. Yes. And the other girl is a young woman. (laughs) The first character, which I assumed to be a girl when I first watched it, is called Nick. Could be a girl. Which is a boy's name. Or a girl's name. Is it? Nicola? It was a boy. Yes, we we did figure that out. Yeah, eventually. Because we remembered the Hungry I Shrunk the Kids, the film. With the big ant. With the big ant. And the shrinking. And the shrinking. There was no shrinking. (laughs) What this should have been called is Honey, I Invented Something, <laughs> not Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. There was basically a um, little lad who looked like a girl. There was a 20-year-old woman, well, was kind of made up to look like a 13-year-old girl. Yeah, very. she had a um, very tight, weird ponytail, well, more pigtail things yeah, going on. Yeah, it was kind of, uh, yeah, it was It was certainly appealing to the jailbait audience anyway. It was, uh, I suspect that if she took her pigtails out, her face would probably... <laughs> Sag and droop. Yeah, she would show her age. <laughs> She's had a hard life on the streets, that girl. But um, yeah, so they're flicking through the TV and they go through all loads of rubbish stations, country and western and everything. And then they hit up on the local wrestling show and it's just missed the Hart Brothers. So she's quite angry because she's the Hart Brothers' biggest fan. Yeah. And by she, obviously, you mean the female character, not the not the Nick, who just looks like a little girl. But the one who is a little girl who looks like a... <laughs> uh, no, it's a woman who looks like a little girl. <laughs> That's the one. It all gets very confusing. And point out, when we say Hart Brothers, it's the obvious two. It's Brett and Owen Hart as well, because isn't there about 70 of them? It's revealed that they're going to be facing... What can I describe as the best tag team of all time? The best name, yeah. the best gimmicks, yeah. the Executioner Brothers. Yeah, not the Executioners, <laughs> not the Execution Brothers, the Executioner Brothers. 
Are um, they brothers of executioners? Well, they're gimmick. They're, they're the executioner brothers. <laughs> Their name is Judge and Jury, mm. and they both have judges' wigs and sunglasses. For some reason. I'm not sure about the American legal system, but I don't think... They, they don't have those wigs, do they? I think, I think they're British it's, it's judges. It's Canadian. What do you know about the Canadian legal system? It was set in Colorado. Regardless of how Canadian it was, <laughs> how incredibly Canadian it was, it was set in Colorado. Uh-huh. Yeah, even though people did say a boot. <laughs> and it's clearly in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Yeah, we get the credits. <laughs> and this is this is where it's revealed that this little girl is played by a lad. So they roll in and after the credits, we're back in the garden with the dad. You know, as I say, he's had his ass handed to him by this robot. He gets knocked around, he gets knocked on his arse. His daughter comes over, punches the robot in the face with one punch and then knocks it down. Uh, but that, it was sounded like, A, a very hard punch, and B, a very hard robot. And she just sort of smirks and walks away. Yeah, you know, you, you get this impression that she's a tough cookie. I don't know what her hand's made of. <laughs> maybe, maybe she's had one invented for her as maybe. well. Maybe. This is as well where you get introduced to what I can only describe as the MILF. Well, I think it's meant to be the fake Rick Moranis's um, lady wife and mother to Amy and Nick. The very attractive middle-aged lady. Middle-aged lady. So we have Milfie and Jailbait. <laughs> and that should just be the name of the two yeah. characters. Yeah, so we've got not Rick Moranis, Nick, whatever. <laughs> Who cares? You've got Jailbait and Milfie. Okay, they're the names we're going to be working with today, I think. Not Rick, <laughs> Jailbait and Milfie. Right. We get we get the next scene, jailbait. She's hanging outside of school, coming out of school with what is she going to be, a boyfriend or just a male friend? Or maybe someone who, maybe there's some sort of tension there. Yeah, I suppose if you, we'd watched, you know, the previous 29 episodes of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the TV show. We might have seen something get shrunk. Um, <laughs> or maybe they're saving that for the very last episode. Yeah. The hearts are at the school. The Hart brothers are stood on boxes, evidently. They are both seven foot and six foot ten tall. <laughs> they're stood, they've got all these teenage girls probably screaming about, around They're them. probably about maybe 15, 16 years old. And at that point, most males and females are close to what their final height will be. Pretty much fully grown. And Owen Hart, who's not exactly the tallest wrestler in the world, he's what, at least a foot and a half taller than <laughs> everyone else. He's quite ripped as well. He's He seems to be, I don't know, just... Huge, and, and I think Amy captures it perfectly when she says, oh my God, you're more impressive in person. <laughs> she's panicking because she's got nothing for them to sign. So she steals her boyfriend's hat. And then she goes over to the Hart Brothers and goes, oh, hi, it's Amy Selinsky. And they go, we know you. You keep sending us letters. Are you a stalker or something? We thought you she, were a weirdo. She doesn't seem crazy. Then she invites them to she dinner. She invites them to dinner. And, and being, they, what, how, how old do you, would you say they were at this point? I'd say Brett was about maybe late 30s, owing about early 30s. So these two men in their 30s get invited to a schoolgirl's house for tea and they go, yeah, that sounds like a good thing to do. Why are they hanging around outside of school? <laughs> so they can get invited yeah. for tea by schoolgirls, clearly. <laughs> and they're just like, yes, it will be better than eating in a restaurant. Whose uncles are they? <laughs> yeah, it's very dodgy. And I, I just think today that wouldn't fly. You know what I mean? I think with celebrity nonces the way they are, it's just one pass the censors. Colin, tell them the joke. The yeah. joke is they say, do we dress for dinner? And then they say, you can wear what you want. Owen says, good, I hate eating naked. 
Can we add it in a tumble? <laughs> I think we already know that. I don't think we need to. I think we've captured it perfectly with that awkward silence. We go back, we're at not Rick's house, and he's in the garden, and we're introduced to a character called the Chief. Who's a rather portly policeman officer. Not Rick has got a new invention. This guy is prolific with his inventions. He really is. He seems yeah. to invent one a day. And he's, he's invented this thing that is essentially for, what would you say, trimming trees? petrol-powered tree trimmer. Was it called the head trimmer? I think so, and it's something that goes on your head, just in case you didn't kind of get that there was a bit of sauciness and innuendo in this. <laughs> Not Rick. <laughs> says to Milfi, will you give me a yank? That's what he yes. says. <laughs> he's on about the petrol... Oh, TV. Yeah, he's on about the... Uh, yeah, I don't know what it's called, that thing you pull to start, like the a rip cord. The rip cord, yeah. I think it's implied that he's talking about his willy. What? This is where Amy reveals that Brett Hart is coming for tea and Owen Hart. And then there is genuinely the best joke of all time. Hang on, hang on. Oh, Not yet. I'm excited just, just, just wait. This whole top Owen and thingy's joke. They get invited for tea and it ends up Milfi is a big fan of wrestling. And she's very excited. So she gets more attractive by the moment. Yeah. She gets excited that the Hart brothers are coming. But she's also a, a big fan of the Execution Brothers. Amy goes, but they're the bad guys. And she goes, no, dear, in wrestling, they're known as heels. <laughs> she knows her stuff. She's obviously got she the... She knows uh, her onions. Yeah, she's got the insider knowledge. So then, you know, she's worried about what she's going to wear for tea and what what they're going to cook. I'm going I'm to give you the honours again, Colin. Thank I want you. you to tell this joke. They've mentioned the Hart brothers. Yeah, so Joe Bate comes home and she says to Dad, we've just met the Hart brothers. And he said, well, I went to school with the Lung sisters. <laughs> <laughs> Rewind, say that again In fact, can I tell oh, it? No, no. <laughs> so, that, Oh, go on, if you must yeah. So, that, you can't you can't beat that joke, can you? You just can't The Hart Brothers, <laughs> the Lung Sisters oh, <laughs> It is brilliant So, I think it was at about this point of the episode We'd had the Executioner Brothers We'd had the joke of the nakedness <laughs> That bad joke And then we had this Excellent joke, the Lung Sisters. And yeah, I started to fall in love with this programme. I started thinking, you know what, this has got a lot of charm to it. It cuts to them, they're having a bit of an awkward dinner party. Yeah, there's lots of lots of references to the brotherly tension between uh, Brett and Owen. So like, Brett's going, ooh, I would enjoy these potatoes more if somebody hadn't eaten them all. Oh. Uh, so not Rick. He says something to a wrestler that he shouldn't say. Yeah, he says, you know, what is it? He says, you know, you don't you don't exactly exert yourself in the ring. Like not... like Olympic athletes. Yeah, what you do, it's it's more just dance and theatre. <sighs> and this is where Brett goes, dance, theatre. So not Rick says, oh, maybe, maybe you could give us a demonstration after dinner. And then Brett Hart stands up, Owen Hart stands up, and they both go, dinner's over. Dun, dun, dun. You think he... Oh, no! Not Rick's going to no. get a hiding. So, I mean, think to past films and stuff, you, you, you've got this moment where you've accused wrestlers of being fake. What happens, you usually go outside and get their ass handed to them. You usually get, you know, the wrestlers throwing them in a headlock and beating them up. No. What I happens? swerve that Vince Russo would be proud of. <laughs> no, this was no, genius. This was actually great. <laughs> Tell them this what was happened. wonderful. Tell well, what happened. What happens... Everything's a bit tense. Cut to the next scene. You've got Owen Hart and Bret Hart 
gently demonstrating wonderful wrestling moves. <laughs> They're putting on an absolute technical clinging. Yes, showing a perfect arm lock, a perfect wrist lock, a perfect hammer lock, yeah. a perfect drop Russian toe hold. Yeah. It's excellent and, and educational. And how to do the reversals. And how to do the reversals. <laughs> and it was all very polite. And, it, you know, it was just a demonstration as if it was like a, a class. <laughs> and, again, I said this, like, just the humour that was running through this I thought was great I think that would have gone over a lot of kids heads to be honest yeah a good kids TV show should be able to sit there with your son or daughter and just be able to go not just think oh my god I wish this was <laughs> please kill me you know you can enjoy this on many levels I mean, in my head at this point when I saw that joke I was starting to compare it to programmes over here like um, like Press Gang for instance that has a lot of very similar humour yeah, yeah that is aimed at a certain age, but only people of a higher age would get it. Yeah, I think you get that with a lot of... What is it like in, in Toy Story 3? Mm. When it's... I think there's a joke. No one's allowed to take my wife's <laughs> mouth except me. At this point, you know, the, the hearts invite them to go, to come and join in. So um, Milfy steps up, as does the chief. And it ends up that the chief had wrestled in school and Milfy had learned to wrestle as well because of lots of bad dates. Yes. Um, <laughs> Again, and they both body slam Breton Owen and injure them. Yes, because despite the fact that they've both been professional wrestlers for well over 15 years, 20 years in Brett's case at this point, he didn't know how to take a simple body slam bump. I know it's onto a hard surface, but... I think that's probably the point is, you know, it was it was onto a hard surface. And this led to him lying on his back. I think it was Brett just goes, Call 911! Yes. Yeah, so they go to the hospital. And the next scene is uh, Owen hopping out on crutches. With a completely broken leg. And Brett with his arm in a cast. Like a teapot. This is a bit of a complicated bit. We've established early on that Brett and Owen are meant to be wrestling the executioner brothers. Can you explain this to me? They, they basically nominate the chief and not Rick to wrestle the executioner yes, brothers. Yes, for some reason. I mean, Brett and Owen, didn't they have their titles on the, on the line or something? There wasn't really any logic to it. <laughs> But um, Jail Bait as well, she's accusing um, Milfy of hurting them deliberately because she's a fan of the Executioner Brothers. Some family tension there. There is, there is. And this, this plays into some very confusing scenes later on. And then we've got Owen Hart, Bret Hart stood at the car and, you know, they're, they're basically waving them away saying... In fact, I'll, I'll read the line that Owen says. He says, Thanks for everything, except... The hurting us part. He didn't like getting hurt. Why did he become a wrestler? I don't know. Well, maybe he just thought he was so tough that he was never ever going to get hurt. Next we cut back to Not Rick's inventing shed. He bursts out and he's dressed as Kurt Angle. He looks like some bell-end out drinking on the Otley Run in Leeds. Yeah. In a dreadful fancy dress. He's essentially wearing a muscle suit with a singlet over it. He just comes out and says... Well, you know, with steroids and everything, uh, <laughs> the artificial enhancements are perfectly fair. So <laughs> He does drop the S-bomb, which I, I thought was quite interesting for a wrestling... I can imagine that if Bret Hart was still in WWE or WWF, whatever it was then, before he would have gone on, Vince McMahon or whoever would have looked over the script and said, uh, No. Can we please take that line about <laughs> steroids? Can we please take that line about <laughs> fake? You know, they, they would have vetted it, and they didn't. So thank God for 
Brett moving to WCW. I think they were just there as themselves, weren't they? Probably didn't tell anyone, to be honest. Maybe less stringent rules about that sort of thing yeah, in those days. Maybe. I suppose. Maybe this is why, why the stringent rules were brought in. Yeah, so it, it demonstrates what the suit is. And the suit is essentially a remote-controlled muscle suit. I suppose it's probably a development of the technology that was used for the Slugmaster, or it's called Slugmeister. He invented this overnight. Yeah, he's a genius. He is a genius. genius. Why do they live in um, a small house? Yeah. It's a lovely house, but it's quite a small house. Surely they should be making millions. Yeah, he's invented this suit. It's controlled by a remote control. (laughs) The same kind of remote control that you'd have for a television or other device that uses a remote control. He has to use that to control his arms and legs. He does a demonstration. A rather patronising demonstration. And he says, oh... Can I hit some raccoons under the gazebo? And people look confused. So he goes over to the gazebo and lifts it up with one hand and then drops it down with one hand. And Completely uh, defying gravity and weight distribution. Yeah, it's it looks really weird. It looks you know like the bad animation on them like Jason and the Argonauts or like <laughs> you know when they get the skeletons come out of the ground and it just yes. looks a bit crap. It was kinda of like that. So we've got his secret weapon sorted. Next, we cut to Nick in school. He's got some bully taking the piss out of him. He goes, hey, brainhead. Yes, I, hey, you, more intelligent person. <laughs> oh, I just thought he meant, like, he had a brain in his head. Possibly. Yeah. I think he was just mocking his greater intelligence. Ooh, well, <laughs> hey, heart chest. <laughs> just, like, naming organs that are in the yes. of his body. <laughs> Nick and, is his name Tom? The I don't chief know. Son. Chief's son. Yeah, the chief's son. They, Generic sidekick. They start with Bucky's and quite funny, they, they kind of start taking on the demeanour of mobsters. They even store all their um, betting winnings <laughs> in like a violin case, which yes. they carry around. <laughs> so it's a bit like Bugsy Malone kind of thing. We go away from that for a bit and we cut to a really odd Yeah, scene. this is, well, there are two scenes where they just seem to be... A, thrown in there. It's like the guitar solo in um, Don't Fear the Reaper. Hey, don't, don't bring B.O.C. into this. That that guitar solo doesn't belong there. Yes, it does. It's brilliant. And this scene doesn't belong it's... here. Milfy comes home um, looking very fetching in her work clothes. Yeah, in a, in a sexy office wear. Yeah. And then you find out that she's taking jail bait to the dentist and she does a very hammy bit of... Um, Oh, God, I can't believe you're taking me to the dentist, please. This crazy woman is taking me to the dentist. Uh, and that, that was pretty much the scene. I think I was quite a bit better than her. Yeah. Well, it was. Yeah. I think it was accurate anyway. We've not watched the 29 previous episodes, so <laughs> there's a chance that this could be like a running joke or something, or it might refer, you know, it might be a clever re- reference to a previous episode, like Honey, I Shrunk the Dentist. Or, or it could just be Canadian humour. It wasn't humour particularly. Maybe we just don't get the Canadians. I think we've done all right so far. At least I'm assuming we have anyway. Mm. And next, you've got Rick demonstrating one of his other many inventions, of which he is prolific. He's like Edison and Leonardo thrown into one. A lot of people who do inventing today, you know, they'll probably go down there do a master's and a PhD and focusing on yeah. one particular area of invention. This guy was doing a hedge trimmer one day, fight suits the same day. And then the next day, the jacuzzi Uzi. Yeah. And the demonstration for this, the jacuzzi Uzi 
First of all, he compliments his um, assistant on what a nice graph. <laughs> oh, good. That's fine. Yeah. And then he demonstrates the jacuzzi Uzi, which is essentially a handheld jacuzzi that fires very powerful jets of water at people for those who haven't got enough space for an actual jacuzzi. Yeah. I mean, let's cut to the chase here. This was basically an excuse to hose down a woman. That's yeah. fine, but she's wearing something underneath her white coat, so there's a problem there. I still think Jermaine Greer would have had a field day with this one, I think. <laughs> Freud as well. I, I think, you know, the idea of a man pointing, you know, his phallic-shaped thing at well, a woman... Sometimes as... a phallic-shaped thing squirting over a woman is just a phallic-shaped thing squirting over a woman. <laughs> We get another strange scene. This is the chief with his girlfriend or wife. I think it's his girlfriend. I think it, yeah, his, I th- his floozy. His floozy. With a very high-pitched, irritating voice. It ends up that chief's really conflicted about this. He's agreed to this match and he's like, you know, I, I work in the police and I'm, I'm surrounded by violence all the time. I don't know if I can add to this violence. I vowed not to bring more violence you have to applaud him. It's a good thing, but don't bloody agree to a wrestling match if you're going to be against violence. Well, I think he was just under the impression that he could stand on the outside and not Rick would do all the work in his um, mega suit. In his Kurt Angle costume. You cut back to the school and Nick and Tom, I believe his name is, are in the corridor. We'll just call him henceforth Tom. <laughs> it might be his name. <laughs> it might be. It might not. So they're in a school corridor, walking along with their ill-gotten gains stuffed into the violin case, and some harsh-looking teacher stops them and goes, oh, I didn't realise you played violin. I didn't realise you were musical. And Tom goes, well, you know, I sing, but I don't sing, if you know what I mean. I didn't know what he meant. No, I didn't know what um, <laughs> Canadian humour, maybe. Yeah. She goes, oh, can you play me a song with your violin? And Nick goes, oh, well, you know, I've only been playing a very short amount of time, still learning... Catgut. Whatever it was. Yeah, his word catgut. Yeah. Maybe that's funny as well in Canada. I don't know. And she goes, open up the case. So he gets the case at at literally the the most ridiculous way to open it. If you wanted to open a case, its contents would spill everywhere. This is how he stands. Yeah, he didn't lay it down and open it and flip open the lid or hold it in a way that everything wouldn't spill everywhere. He opens up the violin case and lo and behold, all of the money flies everywhere. Yes. And the teacher looks down and, and what does she say? She says, uh, oh, you're running a betting ring. Oh, well, I'd like to make a bet. And the kids look up and they, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, brilliant. This is surprising. Yay. Oh, it's okay. She's on our side. <laughs> and she goes, I'll bet your parents won't like to hear about this. Burn. Oh. She built them up to knock them down. Yeah. So now we Evil get a woman cut to the execution of brothers in their hotel room. This scene was <laughs> brilliant. Speaking of phallic scenes. Yeah. So this scene had one of the execution of brothers going, I need more body oil. <laughs> <laughs> my pecs aren't shining well, enough. I think he should just say to the other one, I think I've missed a bit on my bottom. Will you come and stroke it in for me? <laughs> So he's there rubbing baby oil into himself. In front of his friend who's lay on the bed. Well, they've been in prison together, you know, they've probably <laughs> probably seen everything. Done everything. Yeah. You know, they're looking in the mirror and growling, and go, flexing their muscles and all this. And the other one, he's on the bed reading the newspaper and he goes, oh my goodness, look who we're going to be fighting. It's not the Hart Brothers, 
it's that chief. What a coincidence. I couldn't believe it. So it ends up that the executioner brothers, they're going to wrestle the guy who arrested them because who'd have thunk it? They're escaped convicts <gasps> and they're on the run. This is where we get the classic 90s motif of the really, really advanced internet. Did you ever watch that film Swordfish? The yes. hacking movie where they're like, oh, well, if you're going to hack properly, you need five monitors. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so Nick and Tom, I think they're called, do the internet searching on their crazy internet. And they <clears throat> use all things like Google goggles and yeah. things like that that didn't exist then. Didn't they invented it? I think so. Well, I mean, maybe um, not Rick invented it, you know. Because maybe Dave literally did on this programme and Google were watching it. Probably. that The timeline does match. Yeah, I'll go with that. And I think that the writers of the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the TV series, should get royalties from Google for it. So they're doing this comparison and they find out that Judge and Jury are actually called Judd and Jerry. Ah! And they're escaped convicts from Baltimore. See, with very subtle name changes as well. That's really clever. It I'm, is. I'm going to change my name to Colan. <laughs> then people just won't recognise me. You. Well, it's the sunglasses and a wig. If you had a sunglasses and a wig as well, that would yes. be it. And some baby oil. Yeah. Anyway, it's getting a bit weird. Yes. <laughs> they're from Baltimore. What do we know about Baltimore? Well, Ar- I've, Ar- s- I've seen The Wire. My assumption is that they're badass drug dealer types. Perhaps. The gimmick is, is that the police chief and his deputy are going against the judge and jury. It's a whole yes. legal theme, whole legalistic theme. It's a, it's a, very, it's a very interesting for is, a match. Is their manager called Appeals? No, <laughs> no, no. When the kids got called into the um, head teacher's office and the parents were called in, they got banned from going to the wrestling show. And now they've realised that these people are escaped convicts. My dad's the one who put them away. Yeah, so we're going to have to go and save him because as 11, 12-year-old kids, we're going to have a better chance of defeating these hardened criminals who've managed to escape from... A secure institution. Yeah, I assume it'll be quite, you know, maybe not maximum security, but a high security place. Yes. Question. (laughs) Why didn't they just phone the police? They were fighting the police. But if they'd just phoned the local police and said, we've discovered that Judge and Jory are actually Judd and Jerry, go and arrest them. <laughs> First of all, their dads would have both been safe. Second of all, they would have got a nice reward for it. Idiot children. I think it's just the Canadian legal system's different. You know, it's a different country. It is, but, you know, this is set in the US, despite the fact that everyone's Canadian. Here it is. It's the main event. It's the night of the wrestling show. It just cuts to the wrestling show. Execution of brothers make their big entrance. They've got their wigs. <laughs> They've got their giant law book. They've got a massive gavel. <laughs> an absolutely huge gavel that's big. Best than... gimmick in wrestling ever. <laughs> this is where Triple H got his sledgehammer gimmick from. Yeah, I think the timeline does match. So I think <laughs> they, were, they were absolutely brilliant. They were so charismatic. They came out, they had the wigs on, the sunglasses and... They're oh. going to throw the book at you. Yeah, they're just, they're, it was just such a well-rounded <laughs> gimmick. Absolutely no complaints from me on this. Not Rick and the Chief come out. Not Rick's in his, essentially a Superman outfit. The yeah. Chief, he's basically dressed in like, I don't know, just a scruffy T-shirt and jogging bottoms. Yeah. And they're flanked by their valets. 
the milfy lady and the jailbait dressed in um, blue shiny cat suits as, with as police women with handcuffs and you know it's all very suggestive and, um, very phallic sticks i mean it surprised me that milfy woman didn't just start gently licking <laughs> her um bt stick whatever they're called night stick yeah truncheon i've been wondering though during the course of doing this uh, discussion did the people who made family guy did they watch this because it seems like lois is basically based on this person and meg is based on the other one you can you know. can see I it can, can I, I can i can definitely see the lois connection with the milfy woman yeah who's got that he just now has got that bit of a sordid past or just a naughty side yes because there's that suggestion you know the fact that you know the guy's wife doing it fair enough you know the guy's daughter doing it who's <laughs> meant to be probably about 13 or 14 i think i think she's supposed to be about 16 but yeah. still it's dodgy it's dodgy and they have just a real kind of wacky wrestling match they beat up the chief forever you know, he's made this foul. It's revealed whenever the chief hears a particular song that gets in his head, he goes mental and angry. He stole this scene from Laurent Hardy. So so these kids, they come into the wrestling arena, trench coat, one near the shoulders, <laughs> bad moustache, Bomberg hat, <clears throat> an accordion as well. <laughs> it is just chaotic at this point, isn't it? This, the match is still going on. They're trying to sneak in. They start playing in the accordion. they Chief can't hear it. The remote control from Not Rick's Superman suit, it goes awry and ends up being picked up by a baby. And the baby starts whacking the buttons. <laughs> and so Not Rick loses control of his, just his body. Yeah, his entire bodily functions. Yeah. He starts beating up some woman in the crowd. <laughs> so. Oh, no, he starts beating up a bloke in the crowd. Then he gets this um, fat woman and puts her in a chokehold. No. It's funny because she's fat. I think that was the joke. It was like, <laughs> remove the fact that it's a fat woman. He went up to a woman, a paying customer, <laughs> who bought tickets to go and see an entertainment event, and a performer goes up to her and starts choking her. Ha, 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 she's fat, so it's funny. Yeah, I'm looking at recent stories in wrestling with um, Stephanie McMahon and Brie Bella, where there were exchanges of lawsuits and things like that. But this, she just laughs it off when this fat woman gets thrown over his head. He basically does a, a really, really fast aeroplane spin of the woman as well. I think that's meant to be funny as well, because she's mm. fat. So he's really, really spinning it. And then just flings her away. Right over the concessions. Yeah. So, you know, she probably flies about, what would you say, 20, 30 feet across the ring. and She lands in a crumple heap. She's a bit dazed and confused, but essentially okay. Yeah. Thank goodness. So she's fine. This is a point where um, Milfy Lady, she realises what's going on. And she does just... Uh, what well, we, we get to see her crawling around for a while yeah, as well, it's just her ass in the air. Yeah, just a really seductive crawl. <laughs> for some reason, she couldn't just walk. She had to do this kind of head down, arse up, <laughs> sexy crawl towards the child to get the remote control back. And then the mother goes, um, that's my baby's remote control. No, it's not. Look. And then she points it to not Rick. And and then the woman goes, oh, yeah, fair enough. And that's it. She hadn't, A, noticed what a child was playing <laughs> with, a baby, and B, doesn't know what toys she's purchased for that, that child. That hypodermic syringe that my baby's picked up is hers. Yeah, let, let her play with it. If she wants to inject herself with AIDS and heroin, let her. Oh. So, yeah, so at this point, you know, the referee gets knocked out. The chief continues to get beaten up. 
But then they got the remote back. Yeah, so they've got the remote back and then, and, you know, he starts scrapping away. But then, what is it, one of the judge or jury, one of them two, picks up the gavel and starts <laughs> smacking it around. So it's like, oh, no, he's going to die. Not Rick and whatever he's called, the Dave, chief, is it? The chief, they're just... Oh, sorry, uh, they're children. Oh, right. Nick and, Nick and Dave. Tom. Nick and Tom. Alan. Nick and Tom. Nick and Tom. They make it to the announce desk. Yes, where, for some reason, there's a commentator for... The crowd. This has been a common theme, to be honest. In you know, whenever wrestling is in other TV shows, there's always a commentator in the live events, kind of going over the crowd PA. So they start playing the accordion through the PA because it turns out that Tom's dream is he just wants to be a polka artist. Yeah. So he's, possibly. Yeah, that, that's the assumption. And he, he starts playing "Pop Goes the Weasel." Chief hulks up, brother. He starts turning it round and starts kicking ass and they beat the Executioner Brothers. The, the ref wakes up, does the three count. They... And guess who's not there to witness it? Who who do we not see for the rest of the episode? <laughs> you know, the two stars of the episode, Brett and Owen, did they come along to congratulate them? They go, oh, thanks guys, you, you really got us out of the bottom there. <laughs> that promoter would have been really annoyed with us. No, they left at that point where they just said, thanks for that, apart from hurting us a bit. And that was their appearance. That was the end of the episode. It was so all in all, pleasantly surprised. I really enjoyed this, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I, so I did that. it was great. As I say, I, th- I think a lot of it is down to the humour. It was kind of that thing mm. of, I think it worked on the levels of, you know, I could imagine a kid really enjoying it, but it did appeal to me as a wrestling fan because the thing I like about wrestling, I like the wackiness and I like the, you know, the over-the-top characters and... Like the, the Vaude villains. Yeah, yeah, you know, that, that kind of, like, just the wackiness of it, you know. I'm not I'm not one of these wrestling fans who is annoyed when it's not real. I like the wackiness, I like the campness. The execution of brothers ticked all those boxes. <laughs> they were excellent. The Hart brothers... The were, excellence of execution. Yeah, the, the Hart brothers. brothers were fantastic in it. I would have, just for a sense of completion, liked to have, you know, just to see the Hart Brothers kind of return. Cheering them on. Yeah, or just, you know, just even just go, oh, thanks, guys. I wonder if they even watched it on TV. Oh, God. <laughs> I bet they were embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I mean, in the programme. Oh, did right. Did even bother to watch the show, or did it just yeah, go down the pub? Even if they'd just done a simple thing of have them phone up the venue and had that thing of, like, Congratulations, guys! Yeah, we we knew you could do it. Yes, anything like that. That that would have been great. But hey, it's a children's show made in the late nineties that was a spin-off <laughs> of a okay Disney film from the early nineties. Was it okay? That had none of the original casting. Yes, expectations feel, were low. I don't feel compelled to watch the other seventy episodes of this. Or however many they did. I think they did three series. Oh, that many episodes. I don't feel. Compelled to watch any more, but this was good. It surpassed expectations, certainly. I would highly recommend it. The Executioner Brothers were awesome. <laughs> they were the stars. And Milfy. <laughs> she was the star. <laughs> right. And, well, that, and that little police outfit, that was the star. Yeah, the little um, Anne Summers style. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, that's another episode done. We've got all technology now. We've got all the iTunes set up, so you can subscribe to us on that. All you've got to do is go onto iTunes, type in When Wrestlers Act, and then you can subscribe, and it'll all go to your whatever thing you use. Some sort of pod or pad. Yeah, your iPods, pads, and all those majiggers. But it also works with things like Podcast Addict and 
you know, it's it's pretty good in that respect. It, it works on a lot of things. We're on the Twitter, which is at WWA Podcast. And if you could review us on iTunes and say how great we are and give us five stars, I think that helps us go up the rankings. So. Yes, I shall go and do that myself. Yeah. Uh, yeah, cheers. I'll give us at least three stars. <laughs> oh, bother. Two, two, please. Two. It would be nice to have a solid two stars for this podcast. So. Right. Anyway, cheers. Cheers.